Welcome to Heartland Church. It is our prayer that as you listen to the following message, you would experience the heart of God for your life. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Now, let's join this week's service already in progress. But I have the privilege of introducing to you um, a very special friend of mine, and I mean that sincerely, but somebody you're very familiar with. Would you do me a favor and welcome Pastor Christopher to the stage as he comes? Yeah. And we're, I'm going to do something a little bit different. It ain't going to be long, but I'm going to do something a little different. Let's pray. Stretch your hands and let's pray for Pastor Christopher as he gets ready to release what God has for us. Father, we thank you for your servant. Jesus, I ask today that what you've been burning in his heart, Father, you, Lord, would come now with power, that he would be able to declare with clarity, that he would be able to follow your spirit, Lord, exactly the way you intend. I thank you for his sensitive heart. I thank you that he's willing to go with you. And I ask, Father, that our hearts would be ready to receive what you've put in him for today for us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, John. All right, everybody doing good? God is so good. He is so faithful. How many drove like um, an, around an hour to get here this morning? Yeah, there's several hands. That's good. Thank you for your commitment to drive so far. I drove a little over four hours to get here this morning. Um, wow, that was quite the drive. I uh, Yeah, so Dave and I were in... Uh, Morton, Illinois at Trinity Church. Technically, it is, I think, officially still a Mennonite church, although it wouldn't seem that way. Um, but uh, doing a conference there um, Friday and all day yesterday. Um, service started at 7 last night. And uh, I left around 11 last night, and there were still people um, trying to... Uh, how shall I say, physically recover from what God was doing. And it was a lot of fun. It was really, really, really fun. Um, so, yeah, just a reminder. Por favor, todos los latinos, este culto que vamos a tener el sábado que viene a las seis y media, por favor, vénganse. Joel. Espero que vas a dirigir la alabanza. Espero que sí. Okay. Um, we, you know, on Wednesday nights, we have a, a Spanish Bible study, a small group that looks into the Word, and it's wonderful, and it's a blessing. But we've, we've never had, like, just a regular service. And so we're going to have that for the first time para los Latinos. Entonces será muy padre, muy chido. Será una gran bendición. Entonces... Uh, yo tengo una gran expectativa de todo lo que Dios va a hacer. Okay? So, um, how many enjoyed Brittany last week? Yeah. She's not here at the moment. She's with the kids, obviously. So, uh, if you were blessed by her sharing last week, please let her know that. Um, that is, that's not coming from her, obviously. That's me. I just want you to let her know how much you appreciate uh, what she shared on. Um, we're going to look at some scripture. I'm not sure which ones yet. Um, but let's open the Bible to some verse. Um, so, yeah, you know what? Let's, let's go to John 14. I like the book of John. John 14. Okay. So, drove in over a four-hour drive from from uh, Illinois this morning. Like I said, it was, um, it was a late night. It was wonderful. Uh, Holy Spirit poured out wonderfully. Um, and what we're really going to, um, what I want us to look at this morning is yielding to the person of the Holy Spirit, yielding ourselves to him. And so uh, before we get into the word, I want to share just a few testimonies uh, or just give some updates about some recent travels and what God's been doing in some meetings and some services. That sound good? Uh, I, in God's 
graced me, blessed me to be able to go out and travel more and minister in different places. And, and as an ambassador of this house, I want to be able to give at least a little bit of an update. Sound good? So let's pray. We'll get into some testimonies and we'll look at the word. And we're just going to order off the menu. Okay? Because love the word. But we read the word not as an end in of itself. It's so that the word can go deep in our being. We know what's made available to us and then we can order off the menu and appropriate all the blessings that Christ has made available for us. Amen? So, Father, we come before you in that glorious name of Jesus. Jesus. Beautiful, glorious Jesus. Lord, we fix our eyes on you like we just sang about. We fix our eyes on beautiful Jesus. Glorious son of God, son of man. Lord, we don't come before you with a religious ritual on a Sunday morning. We come before you with holy expectation of encountering you, of being filled with you and being transformed from glory to glory. Lord, we love you and we thank you, Jesus, amazing Savior. Holy Messiah, Son of God, Lamb of God who gave himself for us. We thank you this morning that you shed your blood at the cross. And that the veil was rent in two so that we could come on into Papa's presence. That the veil was ripped in two and we could enter into the holy place. We are not begging from the outer courts as paupers, as beggars, as orphans. But we've been adopted, washed by your blood. And we get to enter into the holy place. And come before the throne of grace. Lord, we thank you. Jesus, you paid a high price for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You paid a high price with the shedding of your blood at the cross. You paid a high price with your sacrifice for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the glory of the new, better, and everlasting covenant. Lord, I thank you that we are new covenant sons and daughters of the Most High God. I thank you for the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for your presence that is here. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to keep coming. We want to tell you we love you, Holy Spirit. We love your presence. We welcome your conviction. We welcome your joy. We welcome your anointing. We welcome your healing. We welcome your wisdom, your revelation. We just welcome you. Come and have your way. Glorify Jesus. Glorify the Father. And transform us from glory to glory. Oh, God, that we would look more like you. That we would look more like Jesus. We love you, precious Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Abba, Father. Now, Lord, take these testimonies. Just these simple little things that you've been doing. And whet our appetite. And then, Lord, take your word and drive it in our heart. The simplicity of your word. And, Lord, Take us from glory to glory. Don't let us be the same. We have come to meet with you. Just tell them that. If you have not come here just for a a Sunday morning ritual, but you have come here with a hunger to meet with God Almighty and for your life to be changed from glory to glory, just tell them that. Just welcome them here. Come on, God's not just responding to a man on a platform. He responds to your level of hunger, your faith. Just tell him, Holy Spirit, meet me where I'm at. Fill me and transform me. And don't ever let me be the same. Lord, we have come to meet with you. And I thank you. I thank you that your presence is available. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus at the cross. And that we live under a new and better everlasting covenant. In Jesus' name. (sighs) Hallelujah. All right. Just a, just a, a couple of snippets of uh, some of the meetings we've been in. Uh, last week, my wife and I, Beth, amazing Beth, as I like to refer to her at times. My beautiful wife, Beth. 
Not that I have any other wives who aren't beautiful. She's my only wife, okay? So when I say beautiful, it's just she's the only one, just for clarification. Um, so we were in Ohio last week, and we did a marriage retreat. Not that we were retreating from marriage, but embracing the concept of marriage. And uh, had a wonderful time with the marriage retreat. And then after that, got a chance to minister uh, that Sunday morning. And then um, ministered at, they don't have a, they, at that church, they don't call it a ministry school. They call it a leadership school. And they meet on Monday nights. And uh, that Sunday morning, um, by the testimony of some of the people that share with me later, um, some of them needed to get family members as designated drivers after the service in order to make it home. Um, that Monday night, uh, the the leadership school was supposed to go from 6.30 to 8. And uh I think we wandered out sometime around 9.30 and there were still people in there uh, recovering physically from what the Lord had done and got reports the next day of people powerfully impacted. And and, uh, the school's leader, she got home, uh, she texted the pastor later on and she was just saying that I, I can't even, all she could do was just sit in her car and just weep. She hadn't made it into the house yet. Just weeping as the presence of God came and just saturated with the love of God. One of their pastors got so powerfully hit by the fire of God. He just, he went out on the floor just weeping and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. He was sharing with me later. He said, I've never, never, never experienced anything like this before in my life. He was so undone. He was able to drive home after quite a while, but one of the other pastors followed him home to guarantee that he could make it there okay. Um, it was, it was a pretty, uh, intense weekend before that. Um, I don't remember really if we shared much of, of what happened, um, back in July when we were in Panama, but just real quick, I, I shared a few of these stories, um, yesterday in, um, Illinois, uh, what get, what God did in Panama, but a few of those things were this, um, there was, uh, there was a guy that came into the conference, and he had what he described as cancerous looking moles on him. And he was, plus he had pain, apparently that had been around for a while, pain in his wrists. And he really wanted God to touch him. But during the conference, he didn't really feel anything. It's a great testimony, isn't it? He walked away disappointed. Isn't that encouraging? Wow, what a testimony. Here's the thing. What he realized is, at the next week or so that went by, those uh, cancerous looking moles just fell off of his face and all the pain came out of his wrists. Now, I don't get that. I, I don't fully understand that. But all I know is God is a healer. I don't understand all the ways that he heals, but he's a healer. And I'll take it any way that he comes. And here's the encouraging thing. You don't have to feel anything for God to touch you and to transform you. Like feeling's really good. That's nice. I celebrate it. But you don't have to feel something for God to transform your life. For God to heal your body. All right? Feelings come and go. And I, and I love it when I feel his presence. And I can feel the tangibility of his touch. And it's awesome. But don't worry about what you do or don't feel. You just receive by faith. Okay? And meanwhile, um, this guy's wife, uh, she went through the fire tunnel that night. And she came out on the other side of that fire tunnel so um, inebriated with the love of God, intoxicated with the Holy Spirit, that on the bus ride home on the public bus system late that night, coming home on the bus, she was so free, she was like blowing kisses to everybody. And uh, she had oil coming out of her hands. And uh, matter of fact, there was a guy who ran into them at the bus stop who had been at the meeting and was a little skeptical of this stuff. But then he ran into her out on the street and watched her like this. And he asked their little son, hey, what's going on? Um, We were just at this church service and the Holy Spirit filled my mom and she's been like this the whole time. He's like, okay, that's it. this This is real, all right? This isn't just something going on at service. The power of God was still on her out in public. Um, so this lady was a, uh, uh, one of the Sunday school teachers for the little kids. So the next day in Sunday school class, um, her and this other lady were still feeling the effects of the night before. And so they're, they're still rather filled up with the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, and so in their Sunday school class, they lay hands on the little kids. And these little kids start falling out under the spirit, uh, in the power of God, getting filled with the spirit. One little boy gets up and he's like seven years old and he gets up and he tells his parents, when I was on the floor, I had this vision of Jesus. He came to me and he said, you belong to me. I love you and obey your parents. That sounds pretty biblical. That's pretty good. His dad was a new believer and was so impacted by this. His dad was just blown away. Another uh, young boy who was about 11 years old, he had been tormented with some fear in his life and this anxiety. And he was asking God to set him free from this. And uh, he had a unique manifestation that happened in his body. And he really felt like God had freed him from that before he went to the fire tunnel. He went through the fire tunnel, got filled with the spirit. And the testimony weeks later was he's free from this fear. And there's peace now the reigning in his heart. I like that. Um, in the middle of all this Holy Spirit chaos, I was able to pray with a young lady who came from a really rough neighborhood. A really, uh, um, just, a, just a rough background. But prayed for this young lady to give her life to Christ. And it was so beautiful as the Spirit of God came on her. So heavy, so strong. I mean, she went out on the floor just sobbing as waves of the love of God were washing over her. There was a whole bunch more too, but that's just, that's just some of it. Um, I love the presence of the Holy Spirit. I love him. I love him. I have a question for you this morning. It's something I've been meditating on over the last year or so. Who in the early church was the premier, the absolute premier theologian? In the early, early, early church. Like, out of the apostolic leaders, who was the one leader who had the greatest revelation and insight to who Jesus was, who Jesus is, who we are as new covenant believers, who we are in Christ, and the reality of what Jesus did at the cross with his death substitutionary atonement with his burial, his resurrection. Who's the one who had the greatest insight into that? Paul. And that's not to diminish any of the other uh, writers of the epistles like Peter and others. But here's the thing. God used Paul to write more than anybody else wrote most of the New Testament. He wrote more of the New Testament than any of these other writers. He had greater insight into the nature and character of Jesus than anybody else. Now let me ask you this. You take the 12 apostles and then you got Paul the apostle. Which one out of these 13 is the only one that didn't walk alongside Jesus for three years? Paul. Don't you find that interesting? That the one who had the greatest insight, revelation, and understanding as to the nature, the divinity, the reality of the incarnation of who Jesus Christ is and what he did for us at the cross and how he made us new creatures and put us in Christ in our union with Christ. The one who had the most revelation of that is the guy who did not walk with Jesus physically. See, our human tendency is, oh man, if I, if I could have just been one of those disciples to walk with Jesus in the flesh, that would have been so amazing. Oh, it would have been so good to walk with him in the flesh. If I could have been there when he did the miracles, he opened the blind eyes, he opened the deaf ears. If, if I could have been there when he called forth Lazarus to come out of the tomb, that would be so amazing. I think that'd be pretty cool. But here's the deal. The dudes who were with him while he was doing all that, what did they do by the time Jesus went to the cross? They all hightailed it. They ran scared. They were hiding out after the crucifixion. When you look at it from that perspective, does it look like it did them a lot of good to walk physically with Jesus that whole time? Now, I know it was good for them to walk with him, okay? But when it was all said and done, in their own ability, in their own strength, when it was all done, even though they walked with Jesus in the flesh, 
still wasn't good enough. And then you have this one apostle who did not know Jesus in the flesh. She did not walk with Jesus as Jesus walked the earth and ministered for those three years. Paul was not with him. Matter of fact, all Paul did was try to kill his followers. Paul says we know no man after the spirit. And I think that, can, that should be applied to every relationship that we have. But I think the principal thing that he's talking about is Jesus. He's like, I heard stories of Jesus. I, I knew about Jesus when he walked the earth. Oh, but now I've caught a glimpse of him by revelation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has opened my eyes and showed me who he really is. And now I don't just see him as a, as a religious figure or a fanatic or a fool that walked the earth. I see him by the spirit. I know him as king and Messiah and Lord of all. He's not just seeing it through natural lens. He's seeing him through the revelation of the spirit. So it was Paul who had the greatest revelation of the nature and character of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit anointed him to write these epistles, to put it in writing so we could have it today and read about it. He received it, not from his physical experience of walking with Jesus on the earth, as cool as that would have been. He got it through the Holy Spirit. What does that tell you and I? I'll tell you what, one thing it tells you and I, is we, we're not missing out. Okay, we didn't get ripped off because we were born in the... I got to think now because it's 2018. So, okay. 20th century or the 21st century. All right. We didn't get ripped off. All right. We didn't get ripped off because we weren't walking with the disciples and walking along with Jesus physically in the flesh. The same Holy Spirit that revealed Jesus to Paul is the same Holy Spirit that we have access today. The same Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus to do the miracles is now the same Holy Spirit that lives inside of us today. The same Holy Spirit that anointed Peter to write his epistles. The same Holy Spirit that revealed Jesus to Paul and anointed him to write with that revelation and understanding is the same Holy Spirit that's been given to us believers today. So we ain't missing out. Unless we're ignoring the Holy Spirit who has all of that available for us. So, let's look at this passage real quick. John 14. John 14. <laughs> oh God, you're so good. <laughs> Let's go to uh, John 14:25. All of this I've spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. The counselor, the paraclete, the teacher, the guide, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He's our teacher. Do you need help with wisdom and understanding, with the Bible, with your relationship with Christ, with just practical things in life? He's our teacher. He wants to teach us. You know what I love about that? I didn't say teach you Every theological thing, it just says, teaches all things. I mean, if the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom, do you think he knows how to run a business? Think he knows how to run a household? You think he has wisdom available for you for your marriage? Wisdom for your family, for your kids? If he's the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom, well, he's got that available for every facet of your life. Now go over to John 16. John 16. Go to verse 7. Well, let's go to verse 6. Because I've said these things, you are filled with grief. It's Jesus speaking to his disciples. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He said, you are better off without me. Which sounds absolutely insane to have Jesus <laughs> tell you, hey, you're better off without me. 
That sounds crazy. But if I go away, I'll send the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus could only be, when he was restricted in the flesh, only one place at one time. But then he says, I'm going to go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine this nightmare for the devil? Okay, It's like, finally, I got him. I'm nailing him to the cross. This one, this Jesus, who's gone around destroying my kingdom, healing everyone I made sick, setting free those who are oppressed. He's even raising the dead. And he's setting all these captives free from the demonic torment I put them under. But finally, I'm going to kill him and I nail him to the cross. Yes. And what's Jesus' response while he's being nailed to the cross to the devil? I got you just where I want you. Okay, those are my words. But in essence, that's what he's doing. It's like, yep, you played right into it. Because now I die, I'm going away, I'm going back to the Father. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, and you only had to deal with one of me. But now I'm going to multiply that anointing on the inside of me. You only had to deal with the anointed one, Christ, the anointed one. Now I'm going to raise up millions of anointed ones around the globe. I'm going to pour out my Spirit, and my Holy Spirit is going to live on the inside of every believer. And there's going to be millions of anointed ones. And you can't stop it. (laughs) Because I'm a seed that's fallen in the ground. And I'm dying, but it's going to multiply. And I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. You know what I love about that? It does not say, and I will pour out my spirit on certain people at certain times if they're in the right setting and right location. But in September of 2018, there's going to be really dry times. They're going to be really dry and my Holy Spirit's kind of restricted and and kind of weak and I can move in Africa and I can do a miracle overseas, but not here. No, he just simply says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, all flesh. Does that mean little kids? That's little kid flesh. What about women and men in their 70s and 80s? How about old flesh? How about Latino flesh? How about everybody and everything in between? African flesh, South American, Central American flesh, even atheists, even people who don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. He just says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We need the Holy Spirit. I'm not just talking about a gift or a manifestation. I'm talking about the person, the reality of the person of the Holy Spirit. See, the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit is not the gifts of the Spirit. The greatest gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit himself. And then with that, woo, comes a lot of great gifts. But look, I didn't marry my wife for her cooking. I married her for her. She's a great cook and all that, but... I didn't marry her just for a gift that she has. I married her for her. I want her. And when I have her, I get all those other blessings that come with it. The person of the Holy Spirit. Not just a tongue, not just a prophetic word, not just a manifestation, but the person, the very person of the Holy Spirit himself. Real quick, turn over to or you can do it slowly, uh, to 2 Corinthians. Hmm. Let's go to somewhere in 2 Corinthians. I think we'll go to chapter 3. So, why am I sharing on this this morning? Well, one, I can't help it. Okay. I've seen too much, I've fed on the word too much, I've communed with the Holy Spirit too much to not talk about this. The other thing is this, is that as much as we experience things of God here in our midst, there is so much more that God wants to give us. And so I want to live a life that is Christocentric, but it's the Holy Spirit that empowers me to live a Christocentric life. The Holy Spirit anoints us to glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit anoints us to honor the Father. The Holy Spirit wants to fill us up so the life of Christ can be made manifest through us. And he's got a whole lot more 
for us. So, let's, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's, uh, let's go to verse 4. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. This book, without Holy Spirit empowerment speaking to us, giving us understanding and revelation is a closed book. It's just a letter and nothing more. But with the Holy Spirit breathing on, I don't know if you ever do this, but sometimes I do this. I say, Lord, I'm coming before you. I'm going to read your book. Holy Spirit, you're the one who wrote this. You anointed men of old to pen these words. Holy Spirit, I'm dependent on you. Holy Spirit, speak to me through your word. I thank you that this is not a closed book to you because you're the one who wrote it. And now you live inside of me. The author of the book is on the inside of me. It's alive because the author's alive inside of me. The book is alive because the author's alive on the inside of me. That's pretty good news. We're not just left to fend for ourselves. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to fill you. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. He's going to remind you of what I told you. And then he's going to illuminate what's in his word. Verse 7. Now if the ministry that brought death. He's talking about the old covenant. He's talking about the law. He's talking about the old covenant. The law brought death. Which was engraved in letters and stone. Came with glory. So the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was. Okay, the old, the law, the law came with glory. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, just remember, okay, Charlton Heston, Ten Commandments, finger coming out of the sky, writes the Ten Commandments. I'm not saying it happened exactly that way, but that's kind of the picture in my head because of the movie. The fiery finger comes out of heaven, writes the Ten Commandments. Moses, Charlton Heston comes down, his white hair and his face is kind of glowing, you know. It's pretty amazing. And they really had glory. Moses experienced great glory. Okay. And how many of us have looked back and we've read stuff in the Old Covenant like the children of Israel who, as they had their journey, God sent a pillar of cloud by day in a pillar of fire by night to guard them, lead them, guide them, and protect them. And see, it's very easy, is it not, for us to think, well, yeah, I could have faith too, man, if I had a pillar of fire leading me around all the time. Like, if my neighbors at night just looked over at my house, (laughs) pillar of fire, like, that'd be pretty easy to live in faith. Just driving down the road, hey, how's it going? Got a cloud just following me everywhere I go. But you know what? What did it do for the Israelites? They still wind up complaining, backbiting, murmuring. They still wound up with all kinds of sin and all kinds of problems. Now, I really think that'd be cool. And hey, if God wants to send a pillar of fire over my house, that's awesome. I would love that. That's really cool. But you know what? Paul here is saying that we have something even better. The old covenant, the law came with glory. But now he's transitioning this and he's making a comparison he goes to verse 8 and he says will not the ministry of the spirit be even more glorious he's saying they had glory that was pretty amazing under the old covenant but now we live in a better covenant that's what the book of hebrews is about contrast to those covenants how we live under, under a better covenant now we live in a greater covenant they had glory it was glorious But what we have today is even more glorious. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Verse 9. If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, and that is the law, it condemns men. If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? See, the law could only point out our sin, but it couldn't change us. It's like a mirror that you put in front of your face and go, ah, I'm a mess. But you can't take a mirror and put it up to your face and fix your face. I've never seen anyone do that. You can't do it. All it can do is point out the flaws. But under the new covenant, 
by the Holy Spirit. Now God says, yes, I haven't changed. I'm still holy. You can't live up to the law. The law points out your sin. But what I've done is with my blood, I wash away your sin. But thank God that the new covenant is not just the washing away of my sin, but now the indwelling Holy Spirit. He comes to invade my very being, living on the inside of me. He empowers us to live righteously. The blood makes us righteous, and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit empowers us to live righteous. Whoo! It's not just some law pointing out our flaws. It's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. 24-7. Not dependent on somebody or something else. Hmm. How much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if that which was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? The Holy Spirit has come to abide in us forever. This is the, not only the new covenant, it's the final covenant. It's, it's, it's the new and everlasting covenant. It's a glory that remains and a glory that only knows increase. Because you read down a few verses more and what does it say? He takes us from glory backsliding and being really dry and frustrated (laughs) or glory to glory glory to new levels of glory that is the new covenant pattern from glory to glory and when we do go through hard times and when we do feel like we're in a desert and we're struggling hey there's grace in it there's mercy god is a merciful compassionate father okay But I'm telling you, the pattern that he invites us to live in is from glory to glory. He just said, how much greater is the glory of the new covenant? If you've never looked at this, I've I've been thinking over the last year, I want to preach sometime, I never have, but someday to preach on just that phrase, how much more? Some versions will just say much more, okay, like the ESV. But the NIV, and I believe it's the King James as well, they say how much more? That is a common phrase that Paul uses, not only here in Corinthians, but to the Romans as well. He keeps contrasting old covenant to new covenant, law to grace, going, how much more? How much more for those of us who've received grace? Now by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something? As cool as it would be to have a pillar of a, of a cloud, okay? A cloud to follow us around at, during the day and a pillar of fire by night. As cool as that would be. You and I have something better. We have at the very least, we have that pillar of cloud and that fire on the inside of us. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Christ, the anointed one, comes to live inside of us with his anointing. He lives on the inside of us. We've been given a better covenant. We got a better deal than anyone who ever walked physically with Jesus. And you know what? We don't fully believe it. But we're getting there. I think we're getting a little bit closer. <laughs> and then when you wake up Monday morning, you get to wake up, put your hand on your belly and go, Good morning, Papa. Thank you that all night long while I slept, you were cooking up a fresh batch of mercy for me. Because your mercy is new every morning. Thank you. I don't care. No matter what I feel like, no matter what my body feels like, this I know. I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. You live on the inside of me. I live under a better covenant. And I don't serve a distant God who's somewhere out there far away. Your Holy Spirit now lives inside of me. Thank you for the amazing time we had with other believers at church yesterday. But I am the temple of the Holy Ghost on a Monday morning. And when I go to work and when I go to spend time with family. And when I fulfill my responsibilities during the week. I do it with the Holy Ghost living on the inside of me. The Holy Spirit now indwells me. He fills me up and he wants to overflow through me. That is the new covenant lifestyle that we get to live. You believe that? (laughs) Are you really convinced? Remember, the gospel is called good news. 
part of the reason why it's good news is because Jesus did not just raise the standard from the law to the Beatitudes, even though it is much more intense. Whatever the holiness of God demands, his grace provides. He's not only made us righteous by washing us with his blood to give us a new identity. Because St. Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to become sin so that we could become the righteousness of Christ. He not only took my sin, he took my sinful identity. He took my identity at the cross so that I could in turn receive his identity as a beloved righteous son. That's good news. It was not just an exchange of sin. It was an exchange of identities. He is the son of God. Now we become sons of God. And now his Holy Spirit, the precious person of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. He wants to fill us up, saturate us to the core of our being. Till every cell of our being is alive with his life. Whatever your background is, whatever your theological persuasion is, see, if we're believers in Christ, we believe in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Different churches, they'll differ on their idea of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, what that looks like and what that means. But like, let's put that aside just for a moment and say, because we believe in Jesus, we believe that every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. I don't know if you've really thought about it, but there's somebody else living inside of you. Ah! The Holy Ghost on the inside. 24-7. That's amazing. One last verse. Acts chapter 10. <sighs> Acts chapter 10. Some people do not believe in the Trinity. And I understand why they struggle with that. I believe in the Trinity. But I understand why they struggle with that. Because it's not a term directly found in scripture. Although I believe the concept is there. I also understand why they struggle with it. Because it's a mystery I don't think we can fully comprehend. But this is one of many verses that would speak to the Trinitarian nature of who God is. Okay? This is the last verse we'll look at. Acts 10 verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power. And he, how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost in power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Yeah, Jesus the Son who was anointed by God the Holy Spirit. God the Father anointed God the Son with God the Holy Spirit. And this is what he did. He went around wrecking the kingdom of darkness because he was so filled with the Holy Ghost. And you could say, well, he was Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, perfect. Son of man. But you know what? You and I are now in Christ. And he was perfectly obedient to the Father and perfectly dependent on the Holy Spirit. You and I have the same invitation. How dependent are we on him? How much do we recognize how much we need him? I want us to go ahead and stand. I want to encourage you. Oh. If you've never done this to just take this verse and speak this over your life how God anoints Christopher of Ankeny
with Holy Ghost and power. And how he goes about doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. Now I think that would be weird if you in your own house prayed that with my name. That would be kind of weird. I mean you're welcome to do it but that would be kind of weird. I'm saying insert your own name there. How God anointed Josh Wheeler with the power of the Holy Spirit. How God anoints Sherry Hansen with the power of the Holy Ghost. Anoints her to go around doing good and undoing the power of the devil. Setting free the captives. This is our inheritance. This is our inheritance. This is what Holy Spirit comes to do. I want you to close your eyes and just tune your heart into him. Just lift your hands to him. Holy Spirit... We say that we need you. We love you and we honor you. We honor God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we welcome you to come and to transform us right now. More. More. I just bless you right now to yield to the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? The best way that I can describe it is just to slow down your thoughts. Slow down your, your heart. Just... When you yield to someone, you give them the right to take over. And you don't force yourself in the situation. You give them the right. You yield the right of way. Yield to the Holy Spirit. So, if you don't feel anything, that's fine. Just say, God, I want you. Fill me up. Help me to receive the word this morning. But if you feel even the slightest drop of his presence, just say, thank you. What a privilege. You don't owe me anything, but what an amazing privilege to feel even a drop of your presence. And thank him for it and just yield to it. And just say, Lord, thank you for your presence that I feel right now. Lord, increase it. Increase it. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence that's here right now. I thank you that you have vintage bottles of new wine assigned for each person here. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Jesus, you died to give us an open heaven with angels ascending and descending with an open, under an open heaven. Jesus, you are the ladder to the open heaven. You're the foundation of it all. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come right now and just begin to rain down the new wine of your spirit. <laughs> the new wine of the Holy Ghost. Right now from my left, starting here on my left, all the way through this place right now, let it come. Let, let it come. Let the new wine of the spirit come. Come, we're not just asking for a touch. We're asking to be transformed. We're asking to live like Jesus. How you anointed Jesus of Nazareth to exalt God and set captives free. We want that for our own lives. Come, come, release the wine of your spirit right now. Come, come with electricity, come with fire right now from my left. 
Oh, I thank you for people's heads right now. You're beginning to touch people's head right on the top of their heads. Electricity. Fire from heaven beginning to course through them right now. From my left all the way through this place. Lord, I thank you for the people that you've marked in this place right now. More. More. Let the fire of God begin to burn. God, like those young people last night in Illinois. God, that worship team. God, those young people. You begin to set them on fire. Come. More. Up on the balcony. Lord, I ask for the fire of your spirit to begin to burn. Right now, let it come. Yield. 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 (sighs) More. 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 Let them bubble up on the inside. Some of you, you're feeling a bubbling, a stirring on the inside. Put your hand on your belly and bless what God's doing on the inside of you. Let them bubble up. Give him freedom to do whatever he wants. Oh, it says in Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. It doesn't say be filled with the Holy Spirit if you're Pentecostal. It just tells, commands all believers, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul said, pray in the spirit, worship in the spirit, sing in the spirit, walk in the spirit, live in the spirit. We are called to live spirit saturated lives. It's not just a one time thing at an altar. It's not just speaking in tongues. It is a life saturated with the person of the Holy Spirit. More, 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 more. God, I bless Bob and Jenny right now. Lord, I ask for the fire of your presence to come upon them and begin to burn, 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 burn in Bob and Jenny. Kara, former Bixby, I believe God has fresh fire for you this morning. You and Joel, there is a fresh impartation of the anointing for you this morning. God, I bless them with fresh fire from heaven. God, I'm asking that you would put fire in people's hands. If you have had a desire to step out and to see people healed, if you're like, man, I want to see that. I want God to use me in healing. Is there anybody here? That's a desire of your heart. And you say, God, I want to be used to see people healed. I want you to lift your hands right now. And I want you to take your hands before the Lord. And and just tell them this. Lord, put fire in my hands. Put fire in my hands. Give me bold faith. Give me bold faith to believe that the power of the Holy Spirit will be released through my hands to heal the sick. Your power in me is greater than any unbelief around me. Your life, your spirit, your anointing in me is greater than any unbelief that's ever been in me. Anoint my hands to heal the sick. Anoint me to preach good news. Anoint me to evangelize. Anoint me to win souls. Oh, I want to be anointed like Jesus of Nazareth. With Holy Ghost and power to undo the works of the enemy. You've been listening to a presentation from Heartland Church in Ankeny, Iowa. For more information about our ministry and its available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Thanks for listening.